What's up, everybody? This is the Ex Nihilo podcast. My name's Eddie. Glad you guys are joining us. You know, uh, this podcast uh, began a long time ago in its original iteration, uh, really tackling some of this idea of what it means to be biblically faithful in a health and wellness perspective. And, you know, a lot's changed over the course of a, of a few years. You know, we had this massive pandemic and we had these big, giant changes that took place over the last few years. And it really has made uh, the need for a show like this so much bigger, so much more widespread, so much broader. And so let's bring it back. Let's do this more regularly. And so I hope you guys will be tuning in with me. You know, my angst for um, for biblical wellness really hit its apex in 2020. Now, as you know, that was a crazy year for all of us. And, you know, it was a worldwide pandemic, all this crazy stuff happening. Well, uh, I was a church planner at the time in San Francisco, and I got hit up. Um, by a major blogger site, uh, the Gospel Coalition. Maybe you've heard of it, and they were trying to write some articles for you know for church planners specifically for people that were doing ministry and for Christians that were maybe in ministry at the time. Obviously, things were crazy at that point. So uh, they hit me up to write a, an article, and uh, typically when I've been hit up to write articles for that, they have a kind of a, a narrow uh, window for what they want you to write about. And so for this one, it was more broad. It was like, hey, anything to do with church planting, anything to do that would help leaders in ministry at that time. So I decided to, because of what I was seeing, right, because of what I was seeing in my my friends that were believers, because I was seeing what I was seeing in my friends that are pastors around the country, I was seeing widespread unhealth. And what I mean by that was, as you know, March, April, May 2020, people were eating whatever they wanted. People were eating absolute trash. And for, for a bit, that was kind of fun, right? Let's be honest. It was a little bit fun to kind of just sit on your couch uninterrupted for a couple of weeks um, and just sort of eat and drink and watch a bunch of TV. Now, of course, everyone was pretty scared. And so maybe there was a lot of medication going, medicating going on. Totally get all that. And so I thought, why don't we write an article that has something to do with people reclaiming their health and using this time to get back on the saddle, right? I mean, I heard a, a comedian talk about, I think it was Adam Carolla. He said, well, how can you use this time? It's like, well, you can use this time being in lockdown. Uh, if Think about it like going to prison. You could use this time to basically publish the novel. Um, you know, I'm going to write this beautiful novel I've been work, wanting to work on. Or you can use that time to essentially learn how to make toilet wine. And a lot of us learned how to make toilet wine during the pandemic. We learned how to basically waste away in in the prison cell that was the lockdown at that time. And so what, what I was proposing in this article was let's remember why Christian health and wellness is important. You know, health and wellness is important for everybody, but from a biblical standpoint, why is it necessary for leaders, Christian leaders, pastors in particular, to be healthy physically active, but also and being careful what they ate. So I wrote the article, took me a few days and sent it to the editor and they came back and said, I'm sorry, this isn't what we're looking for. We're looking something, uh, we're looking for something more church planting specific to which I responded. You, you, do you think that pastors, church planters aren't struggling with this issue? And they said, yeah, maybe, maybe not. But what we're looking for is something to do with church, like something spiritual that they can focus in on. To which I got upset at. Because, and it really speaks to how overlooked the issue of eating healthy, eating from a biblical standpoint, we'll get to that, and eating with you know the Garden of Eden, what we came from, this whole channel, Ex Nihilo, from nothing, right, in the garden. Eating with that in mind. Understanding that we're, 
you know, the, the food supply that we're eating from, the, the types of chemicals that are in our food, the types of growth, growth hormones, GMOs, you name it, all this stuff that is just like in our food. All of that stuff is just poison our food, and we're not eating with that. And, and as a result, what's happening? Well, we're getting fat, we're getting sick, we're getting out of shape, we're dying early. So my response to them was like, do you not care that pastors are dying as a result of this, that this is a big deal? And they said, we just don't see it that way. It speaks to a broad, what I think, you know, when we talk about pandemic, this is an epidemic going on in the Christian community that the physical and the spiritual are separate, that there's essentially a human body and there is sort of the way you eat. And that's totally distinct, right? You know, why do I worry about what can kill the body, but I can't kill the spirit sort of understanding. And of course that's true, but not understanding and not recognizing that the body is a temple given by God. That motivated me deeply to care passionately about this for leaders, for Christian leaders, but for people in general, that if you're going to open the Bible and say that you deeply care about Jesus, you deeply care about God, but that, you know, if I have a body, who cares what really happens to it? Um, That's foolish. Stewardship matters to God. Your body matters to God. Practically speaking, and this is really what this show is about, we're going to talk about why no one cares about Christian health. What, you know, why, what are the reasons why we should care as Christians about our health? We're going to talk about some of these reasons. Practically speaking, if you didn't at all merge the physical and spiritual, just practically, your Americans' health is absolutely under attack, particularly in the West, like America, Canada, the whole Western world, Western Europe. This is a huge big deal. Chronic disease. Chronic disease is rampant in the modern West, absolutely rampant. Now, chronic disease essentially is a disease that lasts over a long period of time. And many of the most common chronic diseases uh, that we experience today are are lifestyle-induced. Now, this means that we ourselves have caused these diseases, right, with diet, with lack of exercise, lack of diet, um, a lack of good nutrition, lack of not lifestyle choices, positive lifestyle choices. Whether aware of it or not, we're causing many of these chronic diseases. And many of you have these. Think about it, hypertension, high blood pressure, prehypertension, heart attacks, strokes, other heart problems, uh, type 2 diabetes, obesity, Alzheimer's, dementia, uh, autoimmune conditions, of all sorts and kinds, many forms of cancer. These are chronic diseases. Many of us suffer from these. Many of us have sort of divided their importance from uh, our behaviors and lifestyles to chalking it up as, oh, well, whatever happens, happens to you. Like if you get a chronic disease, that's, that's your fault. Right, it just it just luck of the draw. I'm so sorry to hear that. Um, rather, it's not your fault. You just got one. Too bad for you. Right? Chronic disease is now a defining feature of the modern Western world, and unfortunately, if you look across the landscape of the East, it's now one of our biggest exports. I went to India recently. There's McDonald's. There's Jack in the Box. There's Wendy's everywhere. People are eating fast food all over the place, and people are getting sicker, fatter, and more unhealthy as. Um, as the years progress. It just is what it is. Now, Americans, go back to America. From uh, Chris Kresser's book, Unconventional Medicine, would recommend you read this, just some of the statistics. One in two Americans now has a chronic disease. One in two. So half of you listening has some form of hypertension, that's high blood, high blood pressure, type 2 diabetes, uh, obesity, um, some kind of cancer, Alzheimer's, dementia, stroke, you name it, right? One, one in two Americans has that. One in four has multiple. So 25% of us have a few of those chronic diseases. Now, chronic diseases are dangerous because obviously in and of themselves they suck, but they're also precursors for other major modern Western diseases, and they also lead to obviously things like death, especially in terms of when it comes to cancer, when it comes to type 2 diabetes, et cetera, right? 
some more statistics. 91% of prescriptions filled in the United States is for, are for chronic diseases. So, you know, for all of the, the, the shade that, that uh, big pharma gets, right? All oh, big pharma just wants to make money off of us. Well, 91% of the prescriptions um, that we fill in the United States are because of things that we do that are largely preventable. Things that we do, lifestyle choice, food choices, whether or not we exercise. 91%, 76% of physician visits in the United States are for chronic illnesses. That means three out of four visits that we go on to the doctor are related to things we're doing to ourselves. Not things that are just happening because, oh, there's sin in the world and the world's broken and you know bad things happen to good people. But no, like things that we choose to do, we are paying for. 99% of Medicare dollars go to chronic illness. 99%. Almost 100% of Medicare dollars go. So if you're a government person and you're, you know, like, man, I can't believe the government is blowing our money. I can't believe, you know, we're, we, you know, the politics of, of things are sort of seeping in. We're spending billions of dollars in Medicare, billions of dollars in Medicaid, whatever. Yeah. Most of those dollars are going to preventable diseases. 76% or 83% of Medicaid dollars rather go to chronic illness. So you talk about Medicare, there's Medicaid. This is a big deal. Check this one out. Spending on chronic disease worldwide will reach $47 trillion by 2030. In seven, six or seven short years, uh, the world will have spent $47 trillion on chronic disease, things that are preventable, that you and I prevent. Talk about why Christians should care. Why shouldn't everyone care? This is a big deal, okay? The CDC in 2017 did a study and found that 100 million Americans were either diabetic or pre-diabetic. Many of you, that's your story, right? You, you're, you're living in that. Maybe that's why you're listening to this. You, you're, you're experiencing that, that shame, the guilt, or whatever it may be that you're experiencing in this space, right? This is really hard. 100 million Americans, or nearly one-third of the country. And according to the CDC, there is an additional 60 million pre-diabetic Americans who don't yet know they are pre-diabetic. That means you've got high blood sugar or you know, higher elevated levels of blood sugar and that, you, that are probably going to lead to diabetes at, at some point where you might be on insulin or you may be having some other lifestyle choices you're going to have to face as a result of your issues. Maybe you should just do them in the first place so you don't get there, right? The point. Christians care a lot about plagues. We read about you know, Exodus, we read about, oh my gosh, this, look at the 10 plagues in Exodus and how Israel was freed by, you know, by God from Israel, uh, from uh, rather the, the Pharaoh's captivity, Egyptian captivity. They're going to the promised land, like plagues matter. Well, uh, chronic disease can be categorized as a slow motion plague taking over the world, but more widespread, more widespread and more wide scale. That's the point we're at. This is coming from the Western world, from the United States, and we are spreading into this to the rest of the world. We do not care about what we eat. Christians love to allow, uh, Christians, I should say it like this, Christians do not let the world, or at least they say they don't want to let the world dictate any of the things that they do. We are not going to follow the world, quote unquote. We are going to, going to take the lead. We're going, to, we're, going to, we're going to be different. Well, the only area perhaps where the Christian world lets the modern Western world and culture and society take the lead is in eating. We eat whatever we want, right? We go to a Baptist potluck and we'll eat casseroles and fried this and fried that, sweet potato pie, this and that. And we say things like all things in moderation as if 
That's a Bible verse. Friends, it's not a Bible verse. All things in moderation is not a Bible verse. That is just something grandma said to allow you to eat your green beans and your broccoli, but then also then go ahead and have a piece of sweet potato pie. Okay. If you and I are worried about fast motion pandemics, which we have been, then we should be worried about slow motion plagues that are killing far more people. This is the sort of state of the union for where we're at in co- when it comes to physical health. We are not healthy. The funny thing is, most of us think we are healthier than we are. And I can assure you, if 100 million people are diabetic and 60 million people are pre-diabetic and don't know it, you're more than likely, about a half is likely to be one of those people who are suffering from high elevated blood sugar, let alone hypertension, let alone things like uh, predispositions for Alzheimer's and uh, type 2 diabetes we talked about, cancer, heart attack, stroke, all that. The question for me, I guess, is why don't we talk about Christian health as a, as a community? Why, why don't Christians talk about this stuff? And I think there's four reasons, really, why Christians don't talk about health and wellness enough. The first is that, really, Christianity at its core is sort of a self-forgetful religion. And what do I mean by that? I mean, it's not supposed to be self-focused. It's not infatuated on the self. A lot of our society is built around, you know, our you know, our longings, our wants, our desires. And of course, you know, America has got its weird brand of Christianity where it's sort of all about us and we make somehow church about us and all that. Like setting that aside, Christianity in general is supposed to be a a religion of service. It's supposed to be focused in on God. It's not supposed to be on us. So the only thing Christianity should really address in our minds is specific doctrine or how you can find something like meaning or purpose or hope. All great things, but but practicalities aren't typically discussed. It's more like pie in the sky. I need more hope. I need more meaning. Who is Jesus? What has he done for me? All that stuff. And so just by nature of what Christianity is, you know, most people don't really think about it in terms of what's real, what's physical, what's practical. That's a big reason. The second reason I don't think Christians talk about health a lot is that you know sometimes health can be vain. You know, we, we do talk about vanity. We know that like Instagram culture of Instagram models and bodybuilders and stuff like that, we know a lot of that is is wrong. You know, we can spot that. And so if, if that's wrong, then certainly we should be focusing on the body. We don't want to focus on the body. Being vain is, is self-infatuation, it's self-focus, it's self-actualization. So we shouldn't talk about that, right? But I don't think we should avoid talking about something like health simply because there's a downside to it. Health can have a dark side. We know that it absolutely can have a dark side, right? We we talk about, you know, some of the the elements of vanity, and you know, you get eating disorders, you know, binge eating, anorexia, bulimia, all that stuff. Of course, huge downsides, but there's a positive side to caring about your health. Your body matters. You know, there's a downside of going to church too. You can become a consumer Christian, being overly judgmental. You can become religious, right? Like Jesus was mostly ridiculed by Pharisees, right? Like there's a downside to being a religious person. It doesn't mean we shouldn't be religious just because people um, misuse and misunderstand the concept of it, right? The third thing, uh, the third reason why I think Christians don't talk about health is really that health is seen as kind of a secular subject. You know, we, we typically as Christians, those of us that are Christians, we take cues from others and we sort of deal with the spiritual realm. Right, like you, you want to talk to me about my productivity. You want to talk to me about leadership outside of the church. You want to talk to me about running an organization or a company. And you know, I kind of let the culture do that. But if you want to know about hope or peace or joy, 
or or some of the, the things around theology and doctrine that, yes, I'm your guy, right? We think about it as separate. The issue is that, as we see in scripture, the body and the spirit are interlinked. We should not be separating those two. Um, God died for our body. Jesus sacrificed our body, his body for our body. That's an important concept in scripture. And the last reason I don't think Christians talk about health as much is that Christianity is generally, you know, let's be honest, it's slow to embrace cultural and technological innovation. It's been slow. It didn't start that way. We know that some of the early technological innovations, Christianity was on the forefront on them. You think about the printing press, right? But now Christianity is a little bit downstream from culture in terms of innovation and technology. We just have been that way for a long time. Trends and fads, Christianity has been behind. And so embracing the benefits of eating and exercising for Christianity is maybe not yet at the forefront. I don't even know if it's even on the back burner yet. You know, we've seen lots of these different paleo movements and vegan movements and keto movements and ancestral health movements and all these different things. And, you know, honestly, Christianity hasn't even gotten to the eighties yet with Jane Fonda and slim fast. It just, we're just so far behind in terms of health. So there's a lot there. There are some reasons though, why we should care. And so there's a reason, some reasons why we don't the rest of this episode. I want to talk to us a little bit about why we should care, why leaders that are Christians, why pastors that are Christians, why, why anyone, any regular person should care about if, if we, we should as Christians be mindful of our health, if for no reason other than to just be healthy for our families and healthy for ourselves, but there are more reasons to care about health other than just vanity or reasons for caring about physical health should go beyond aesthetics. Of course, being ripped with abs, that's not, it's not what we're talking about here. We're not talking about being shredded or something like that or, or being able to get in a bikini. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about physical health, eating food as close to the way God created it as possible. And that's really been, by the way, the, the, the impetus for, for ex nihilo and you know what it means and where it comes from. It really has a lot to do with eating food as close to the way God originally made it as possible. You know, In Genesis chapter 3, sin enters the world. It sort of taints everything, right? It, it ruins our relationship with God. It ruins um, our relationship with one another, but it also sets creation off kilter. We go at where we become at war with creation, and that even includes our, our, our physical bodies. We're at war with creation. <clears throat> and so we're suffering some of those ramifications today. And, and so as a result, you know, when we talk about restoration, Jesus Christ coming back and redeeming, renewing, restoring the world, one of the things that's going to be restored is the physical body. I mean, we're, when, we, when we resurrect, we're coming back in physical bodies. Jesus, when he resurrected, he came back in a real body. So that's a big part of this. And, and so when, when we talk about the kingdom of God on earth as is in heaven, moving heaven closer to earth, obviously the Holy Spirit doing that, but we contributing to that with our work and with our, our spirituality, with our holiness, one of the ways we do that is with, with our bodies as well. So in that vein, some practical reasons why we should care about our bodies. The first one is stewardship. It's stewardship. Remember that first Corinthians six verse, Paul says, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy spirit within you whom you have from God? It's a big deal. He says, you're not your own. You're bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. The point is that God purchased you with his blood. He bought you with his blood and he, Jesus sacrificed his body for your body. Your body was bought with a price. And so in this passage, it's actually talking about sexual sin, right? It's actually talking about this concept of, of, of how sins within the body 
um, are oftentimes they're they're worse than sins that happen outside of the body, because the body itself is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Now that means we should probably care a lot about our temple, right? You know, we we see in in some of the earlier accounts in the Pentateuch, we see how beautiful the temple is crafted. We see the tabernacle and all of the you know Bezalel being filled with the Holy Spirit to craft all this wonder and this beauty. Jesus is essentially saying here, Paul's rather saying this about Jesus, that Jesus bought us with a price and that our bodies are in the same ilk, that we also are crafted, made in the image and likeness of God, and that matters to him. So we are purchased by the blood of Jesus for a price, his life, and so as a result, we should glorify God in our bodies. Everything that we do and that we receive and that we get, all of that's a gift from God. If we can steward the resources God's given us, say money, right? We say money, giving our money back to the church is like an act of worship, right? If we can steward our money or our time or our treasure, like our talent uh, for, for God, why couldn't we also steward the vessel, the literal vessel we've been given by God? We should be able to steward it, right? We're made in God's image and likeness. So stewardship matters. The second reason why Christians should care about their health is stamina, Stamina, and what do I mean by this? I mean that minis- doing ministry, living life, having a family is tiring. It's emotionally exhausting. It's psychologically exhausting. It's spiritually exhausting. Um, it, it's very challenging to just navigate regular life. We notice how many people are so tired. People are tired, exhausted. You know, they wake up, they need five cups of coffee to get going. They need sugar throughout the whole day to keep themselves awake. They need more coffee, and then eventually they need dinner, and then they're out in front of the TV. Right? Stamina. We need more stamina. Because when we do ministry, when we're fulfilling the Great Commission, making disciples, all this stuff, all this stuff takes energy, right? Eating proper foods, exercising provides endurance for the tough times. We need to be able to get through the hard things in our lives and filling, putting the proper fuel in our tanks is going to help us do that. Think about eating like gas in your tank, right? If you're, you, if you're a Ferrari, you've got beautiful car, you're not going to put regular unleaded in there. You're going to put uh, premium fuel in that tank. You, my friend, need premium fuel to fulfill God's call in your life. You need premium fuel. And it's not just that you're putting unleaded in your car. It's really that you're putting chocolate syrup in your gas tank at this point. Like we are putting hydrogenated oil in our gas tank and uh, GMOs and all this, dis- this destructive things that humanity has gotten their hand- grubby little money-hungry hands in and and sort of wrecked the food supply. And we're putting that in our gas tank and it's destroying our stamina. Along with this, the third reason, quality of life. Quality of life matters. Ministry is hard enough. Many of us, though, we're, we walk around like old Dell computers trying to run and running nine, Windows 95, trying to load a massive program on our computer. Like, it's not happening. We are bogged down. We're brain fogged out. We're, we're tired. We've got heart issues. We've got indigestion, upset stomach, headache left and right. We're beat up. We're inflamed. We're We're destroyed. The, the, the question and the way I, I would equate this is, do you think Adam and Eve walked around the Garden of Eden with heartburn? Do you think they walked around the, the Garden of Eden with heartburn or let's say brain fog where they're kind of like, wait, what'd you say, God? I, I, I can't really pay attention. Those grapes really got to me. No. All of those things that, that I just said, we all take as normative, but none of those were designed to be here. All of those are a result of the fall of man that have happened to us. And so... What we're doing by eating well is we're trying to recover what we lost in the garden. Eat close to what God 
uh, had originally created food for, and that will help us sort of live more optimally. I'm actually convinced very few of us, if any of us, have ever felt optimal in our entire lives. Like, what were you, what are you actually capable of? How are you capable of thinking, being, and doing? Many, many of us haven't. Quality of life. Next thing is quality of ministry. Quality of ministry. Like, you, you're not just called to live a good life. You're called to do ministry. It's kind of like a data system. Garbage in, garbage out. Like, if you have a, if you're, if you have a tool that's trying to assess what data you have in a database, and you put trash data in, and this program surmises like insights from that data. Do you know what? Do you know what that means? It really means nothing because if you put trash data in, you're going to get trash data out. And that's really what's been going on in many of our lives. We've been putting garbage food into our bodies and we're producing garbage results because we are not, our brains aren't as functioning the way they should be. Our relationships aren't as strong. Our attention span is short. Many of us are on medications for all sorts of chronic diseases that are fogging out our brains and making us more tired and we need more sleep and our hormones are all thrown off or, or testosterone or progesterone or estrogen, whatever it is, all thrown off. And so think about it again, like putting premium fuel in your tank to have to perform at a high level. The next thing you need to remember, you know, as we talk about, we're, again, we're talking about, you know, six things that, uh, reasons why Christians need to care about their health. The fifth reason is that you need to set an example for the people in your life. If for no other reason, you need to care, you need to care that your kids, your spouse, your friends, your mom and dad are looking at you. If you're a Christian, you're you're an example to the outside world. I mean, I, I've had many conversations, Muslims, um, uh, Hindus, uh, atheists who have come to me or we've had conversations, friends and not friends, people just come into church saying, you know, it's hard for me to follow Christians when, you know, I, I lived in the South for a lot of years and most of those Christians were really overweight. And I thought, why would I trust you on self-control and in spiritual matters when you don't have any self-control in what you eat? And I think that's a fair, I think that's a fair criticism of Christianity in the West. People in the East don't have that, that same predisposition. Now, I will say, that a lot of the foods that we do eat, the government has misled us in its quality. The food pyramid is garbage. It's misled us in what's good for us. And a lot of those things have triggered cravings and made it very difficult to stay self-controlled. It's not all on us, but it is our responsibility to assess you know, the, the damage that's being done on us and figure out what is actually causing some of our problems. That's important. But the point is, you need to set an example for your people. Our bodies are important to God. They're made in God's image. The people around you are looking, Christians and non-Christians, friends and not friends, family, brothers and sisters, children, they're all watching us. All of that matters. And the last thing is longevity. This is the last reason that Christians should care about their health. Listen, the, one of the biggest criticisms I hear of health is like, listen, I'm not really interested in breaking down, you know, that the health and wellness. I don't really care as much about that. I just want to make disciples, man. I'm not really interested in, um, you know, you know, eating healthy or anything. I just want to, I just want to read my Bible. I just want to preach. And I'll just tell you the longer that you and I are around, the more people we get to meet, we get to help meet Christ. If you and I are live a like sort of a flame out life where we die at 52 because we ate whatever we wanted and we unknowingly our chronic disease morphed in something more sinister and, and, and we end up dying, that's on us. That's less opportunity for people to meet Jesus under our watch. So remember, 
you are responsible for what you put in your body. And part of this show, this podcast is helping you remember that and get some of that back. Take responsibility for your health. You cannot outsource your health to the government or to your teachers or to your friends or to anybody else. This is your responsibility. It matters to you. Fathers, men, are you hoping that you're going to live long enough to walk your daughter down the aisle? Or are you okay if some other man takes that responsibility from you? Because that's where many of us are headed. Men, I'll say it again. Men, if you have a daughter, are you hoping to walk her down the aisle one day or are you comfortable if another man does that for you? Ladies, women with sons, are you hoping to have that last dance, that first dance with your son as a married man at his wedding? Or are you okay if another woman holds that honor? Many sons and daughters dance at their wedding or walk down the aisles of their weddings without their parents there because their parents made knowingly or unknowingly choices that ended up causing them, costing them their lives. And as a result, some other person needed to step in to do your duty. You have a responsibility to lengthen your life as long as possible for your children, for the people that love you, and also to fulfill the Great Commission. You can't tell me that you don't care about your health. You just want to preach the gospel. Those two things are not mutually exclusive. You want to be around as long as possible for people to hear the good news of Jesus. Paul talks about to live is Christ, to die is gain, right? That's it's great, right? And it's better. It's to go with to go to die means we're going to go be with Jesus. It's wonderful. Don't speed up the process though. God has you on earth for a specific purpose and a reason, okay? All right, let's talk about one last thing on my, on my mind, and it came out in the news this week. It has everything to do with um, another understanding of how people are being misled in, in the blogosphere, Instagram, TikTok. So there's this thing that happened this week where um, Washington Post did a massive study and there was something going on recently where you saw how all of a sudden all these Instagram and TikTokers were talking about aspartame and how good aspartame was and how good diet soda was. Coke, Pepsi, it's so wonderful for you. Oh my gosh, this is great. Oh my gosh, you should you should drink Pepsi, you should drink Coke. And that's curious, right? Because for a long time, Coke and Pepsi have sort of been out of the limelight. We haven't talked a lot about soda. A lot of people stopped drinking soda. Soda consumption's been down. But out of nowhere, over a couple months, you're seeing everyone start to promote this on social media particularly on TikTok and Instagram Reels. Well, it turns out the World Health Organization a few months ago put out a study saying that that aspartame, one of the main sugar substitute ingredients um, in these products, is possibly carcinogenic, which means essentially it's poison. It's possibly poison. Now, we already kind of know that. If you were to do some studies that weren't sponsored by Coke, PepsiCo or Coca-Cola, you would see the, the, the absolute negative benefits, let's call them, or the side effects, rather, of drinking uh, these sodas. We know it's terrible. But out of nowhere, all these influencers, TikTokers, started saying, this is good for you, you should eat sugar, yada, yada, yada. And you're like, where is this coming from? Well, it turns out that the Washington Post did a massive comprehensive study and found that many of these TikTok influencers, these dietitians, mind you, dietitians, registered dietitians in the United States, were being paid to say that aspartame is good for you. 
And they were misleading, intentionally or unintentionally, misleading people by telling them to drink aspartame without being clear on that their post was an ad and they were being paid by American Beverage Co. American Beverage, one of the large companies related to PepsiCo and Coca-Cola. The hilarious thing in many of these posts is that many of them would cite studies saying, it's all bogus that people are saying aspartame is not good for you. Look at these studies. Most of those studies were also bought and paid for by Coca-Cola and Pepsi to promote the benefits of aspartame. So they tell they tell you that World Health Organization's um, findings that aspartame is bad for you are bunk because of studies by PepsiCo and Coca-Cola that it said it's good. Okay, I know a lot of people don't trust the World Health Organization and, you know, whatever. But your, your two sources here are the World Health Organization or Coca-Cola and Pepsi themselves saying, you should buy our products because we said it's good because we paid for studies to promote our products. It should go without saying, guys, but don't believe everything you read on social media. Don't believe everything you see or hear on social media. Don't believe everything you see on the internet. Okay. The internet is full of lies, including this podcast. You need to go double check your facts. Okay. All right. Well, that's it for our first episode back. I'm so glad to be back with you guys. Hey, if you enjoyed this show and you're on YouTube, would you like and subscribe this channel? Or just if you've got a friend that is struggling with health and wellness, that is suffering from chronic disease, that needs help, that is a Christian and is looking for a Christian understanding of why I should care about our body, then do me a favor and do them a favor and forward this podcast to them. That's it. I'll see you on the next one.